Hello and welcome back to the Failure, Understanding, Care and Kunst podcast, part two of our episode where we're talking to Themis Altenzoglu. You are here with me, James Lee, and my co-conspirator, Ruth Aiken. In the second half of the conversation, we talked to Theta about Banksy shredding artworks, about consumer research and food living in an art bubble and darkness we hope you enjoy this We've been even tied harmonizer pitch factor that's uh, going into the uh, even tied space pedal. Uh, around me, I have a electron eight track dynamic performance sampler. Okay, no, he's got the thing. He's got it. So when we ask the question, can we play it? He's he's found the cheapest thing he has in here. Yeah, but that's It's a walk lead. Yeah. It sounds like this. And I've connected under it this thunder. Yeah. Toy with the spring. Oh. And together. Sounds like this. <laughs> and if you put this through distortion and uh, yeah, yeah, reverb, yeah, it sounds it's just like amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of stuff is what works when things get boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very fun. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> what did you do with that on stage? Did no, you... this this is just a okay. Another one. No. Oh, that would be awesome. I can imagine that going through those, you know, big uh, bass subwoofers, you know, on Dreve or something like that, and sounding awesome. This and this is like this candle holder mm. yeah, that you can hang on your balcony and put the candle in there, and it it has a round steel bottom. And it has this, uh, what do you call them, little thin bars around it and a handle that you can, in a way, hold it without stopping the metals from vibrating. And uh, it sounds like this, with a bow. That's amazing. That. And again, it's very... It sounds very big if you amplify it and add 
a little bit of distortion as well. You could probably just. Yeah, it's like the pitch is changing depending on where you play it. On the... Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Mm. But of course, no, no pitch is identical. Mm. But, and that's back to the failure part. Okay? Like it, it does its thing. But of course, if you play higher, the distances are smaller, so you get more of this sound. And if you play lower, there's more room for the metal to vibrate, so you get more like this. But if you turn and you go to another one, like they're almost the same, but not. <laughs> like horror movie sound. Absolutely, 100%. And when you're done, you can put your candles in there. <laughs> when you're done, you can take it back to Yenbrook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's and awesome. What, right, yeah. Sorry, just to jump back a conversation. <laughs> what, the, what is the musical example or like version of that? Of like the yeah. scrolling your name uh, on it. And I'm just... going to say, oh, I have a lot of examples. Are these equivalent? Oh. No, there's yeah. not really equivalent because obviously in hip hop, you have mm. the thing of the often it's the producer uh, that you do like a little, like at, at the start of films, you have your names coming across the screen on a film. Mm. And then on hip hop tracks, you normally have, you know, I'm thinking like Mike Will made this or something like that. And then, you know, famously, like in West Coast hip hop, you have like, you know, Snoop Dogg, D-O-double-G, Dr. Dre, you know. So that's one example I can think of. But that's, I suppose, got a lot to do with like, yeah, hip hop culture and tagging and things like that, you know, graffiti tagging. and I think it's also happening a, a lot uh, more in pop, as the more pop the easier you can see that, or maybe in club culture. I mean, I'm, I, I've, I mean, I'm in electronic music, but I've never really been in a club. But uh, I think it happens there as well. Like if it's a very very known DJ, that like crowds and crowds are looking at the DJ and dance. And then you produce something you, like if the DJ makes a song, mm. song, whatever, yeah. Then it's easier to succeed <laughs> <laughs> because of all the parties you have delivered before. Yeah. Mm. So that goes a little bit with a name tag, I think. Yeah, I think that's maybe the closest example because I think even in the pop music, at least there is still like a production of something and quite a. It's maybe like deliberately geared towards commercial market or to you know hit particular. Uh, sort of melodic, you know, dopamine <laughs> points, but there is like a, I think a deliberate, some, you know, there's something deliberate going on there rather than just a scroll. Whereas maybe in the yeah club, particularly in like a particular nefarious part of it, where you're maybe just more clicking a button. Yeah, than nothing, <laughs> nothing anybody does can be as lazy as like a Maurizio Catalan work from the last ten years. He's the guy who did the banana taped against the wall he was that guy right yeah but that's that's like that's a revolution i mean <laughs> i think it depends on how he puts it but if if he does it to show how bad it can be yeah then it, then it's almost like a 
demonstration. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also just top tier troll behavior. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. okay. <laughs> I was, I was, I, I was being. Uh, there's a lot of artists. I'm thinking like uh, Josh Smith. He's famous for doing paintings where it's like Josh Smith is painted on them. Marilyn Carpenter is another sort of really big guy from 2015 in the art world who's famous for just yeah like a bad painting but like not bad bad but just bad painting right like a lot of cheap stuff i'll find an example of a maryland carpenter <laughs> but what do you think of the shredded uh, banksy oh Work. yeah <laughs> yeah it's difficult to know how cynical he is in that production because of the how much it escalates the market because I don't think he's a an artist that is not aware of like he's obviously incredibly savvy to how um, the market functions and how mm. how the industry functions uh, so I don't think any part of him thought making that work was not going to increase the the value, the value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. actually not this uh, Oh, did I, did yeah, I, yeah, no, no, no. Notice lately a new kind of art that people throw tomato sauce on classic paintings. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's quite nice. <laughs> yeah. So I found some images of Marilyn Carpenter paintings and uh, I, I really hated them. And then now I'm looking back on them and I actually think they're quite funny. Um, he has one painting that just says, Banks are bad. <laughs> and then there's another one I can see that just has a plus sign on it and then he has another one that just says die collector scum uh, <laughs> another one that just says stop art uh, I think that's that's quite nice um, yeah so that might be the equivalent of just signing your name on it but I realized that's actually these are actually quite funny <laughs> i quite yeah. like those and aesthetically quite nice yeah. Yeah. Uh, josh smith uh, artist uh yeah no i'm just thinking sorry while you look that up again jumping back to something that was said earlier that uh when we were what were we talking about um shit something to do with economic valuing and uh, maybe you can remind me what we're talking about that would trigger this. But the story was that, uh, there was an artist who had one of her work. She was like a low level or like emerging artist, I think. Uh, or mid, yeah, becoming established. And a collector, someone had bought one of her works for like, I don't know, 80,000 pounds or something, whatever amount it was. Um, and then, it went to auction and it was selling for uh i don't know millions or like like hugely inflated price um i i can't remember who the artist is and i've tried to find it and i can't find my way back uh but yeah the what she did was that she then just mass produced this one work and sold them all to completely annihilate the price of uh, this work auction, which is uh, like it's maybe like the anti Banksy. That's like how do you <laughs> how do you take on these forces and kind of win? Is by like completely plummeting the value of your own work. 
to jump back here's images of josh smith paintings yes because i knew he just wrote his own name but they're actually getting much more interesting now he's actually really developing them um and they become these very colorful uh, uh these colorful images uh, like this where his name is uh interwoven into the into the 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 painting josh smith so even that is not as bad as uh <laughs> as what i thought it was so my two examples of bad contemporary art which is just signing names on signing your name on something they're actually quite they're actually i think a little bit more interesting than what i maybe give them credit for <laughs> yeah because it's like interesting yeah. failures yeah 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 <laughs> But, but but I think I think going back to that point about music, uh, like uh, what's the musical equivalent of signing your name on something? Um, uh, there the was I think of something like Taylor Swift and her new album, right? And how clearly she's been re-recording all her music over the past ten years. Part of this. Uh, like somebody had bought her catalog and she really doesn't like them so she decided to literally re-record every song she's ever done and she's made these really faithful recreations of her previous songs and i think in that process she's also been writing new material she's released a new album of new material and it's her i think her most commercially successful album to date meaning that it's i think it was, she, she was literally every position in the american charts one to ten was a taylor swift song because of course this how streaming works uh, and it's a huge commercial s s success uh, but the critical success has been a little bit more uh downplayed because a lot of the critique of it is that it's quite backwards looking and it's like she's copying styles from previously in her career so i think that's one way when you're thinking about signing your own name as you're maybe talking about the dj how you get trapped into your own into it's own time. patterns yeah your own patterns of making mm. and you 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 may as well just be signing your name on on something because it, there's no uh where you think your career was going or that trajectory and trying to do new things has now stopped and you're going back and to re, re, you're, 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 you're not literally re, well, in Taylor Swift's case, she is literally recreating things that she's done in her past, but that spirit has now translated and she's maybe stuck in certain styles, certain melodic conventions, certain songwriting modes that are very much from a previous world, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's made me think of that uh, in, in pop culture. Success can be the biggest uh, trap, actually, because then, I mean, especially if you're uh, a pop performer, you can barely change, like, the color of your hair, mm. unless that's the whole niche, that's like, oh, you change color of hair all the time. <laughs> but, uh, like, you can very easily be trapped that people expect you to do the same thing. Mm. Uh, unless it's experimental work, that of course it's about the change. But every, um, yeah, I think it's very easily you can very easily get stuck. Yeah, and you become like a caricature of yourself. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, very true. Or just that the I think those failures don't necessarily. It's like a word, whichever way we're framing this. 
that sort of repetition or being stuck is not necessarily coming from yourself being stuck in your own patterns, but it's applied externally um, from the industry who don't want to sign off on a more experimental record or something that's not going to make money or a film or an, you know an artist deviating from what they've done before because it's riskier. Um, <laughs> I've lost my breath. <laughs> Got lost thinking about Radiohead and how that was a really big thing with Radiohead. Uh, <laughs> people got so angry that they changed their sound. Uh, are, are, uh, are you referring to Kid A? I think it was just like every album they released, everyone just got very angry. But isn't this, uh, I think that's quite interesting that like, if you like something, that somebody else made, mm. and then you feel the right to have an opinion about the next thing another, that same person is making. Mm. Like people get angry about the creativity of someone they like. It's quite a uh, weird. Yeah. But it, I think it's again, <laughs> it's like back to that stasis. People really, we need to not be moving, but I think we do like, Stasis, and maybe also when everything else in your world is very, very changeable, maybe there is like this like need to hold on to this one thing that you like and not have it change, or have it yeah. change in these small amounts. Or I'm just it's, thinking of like fan culture and how like crushing, like in a like or nerd, I don't know. I suppose the the opposite of the getting angry that somebody, the getting angry that Radiohead makes Kid A an electronic album, you know, the opposite of that is something like Stan culture, whereby people get really really angry and you know start going after music critics or whatever online because they said something bad about their favorite artists uh, and that's equally i think uh horrible <laughs> yeah yeah like the two extremes the the you know how dare you change and the opposite which is how dare you say anything bad about this about this artist. I think it's, I'm not sure if I'm taking the topic a bit too far, but I think it has to do a little bit with consumerism. Like we identify ourselves with the stuff we consume. It's like, uh, people arguing if cola or Pepsi is best while both are shit juice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but maybe this is quite interesting. So you can, you can maybe, one of the things I would, I was actually thinking about. Or one of the questions I'd written in my script really was to ask you about your day job and maybe to see if there's any connections or similarities between what you do in the darkness here and what you do under the in the light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the, uh, yeah, this, the, the really crappy, uh, no, they're, yeah, they're not halogen now, are they? They'd, they'd probably be LED strip lights of your office, you know. They're halogen still, sadly, but okay. yeah. yeah, it's, for example, these issues of like identifying what the stuff you consume is relevant for, for my day life, <laughs> not my night, not, but also the nightlife because, and also this with, um, because you're, you're, uh, you, yeah, you, you work researching consumer 
consumer say that again it's consumer you basically consumer work out why decisions. people buy what they buy basically yeah, but mostly on food but, yeah. but i mean food is just one more consumerist good you know and uh likely i i believe at least that i'm on the good side of the world because it's research that's financed by the european union and stuff so it's like aiming to make people eat better not like to take people's money to buy candy yeah. but it's still using the tools of the devil in a way <laughs> so it's uh, a lot of psychology and uh, things like that are re relevant there for example like what what makes you feel that something you like uh, is part of your identity and how do we get stuck to expectations and habits and that we think like okay this is my favorite jam strawberry jam and if the company makes it better or if they reduce the sugar then suddenly it's like whoa, 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 i'm hungry this was my jam i eat this like 10 years <laughs> i wanted it to be the same and somehow it's uh, funny that uh um it's funny that we can end up relating to things we put our money on instead of actually saying that this is just something you buy and you do but you're much larger than that as a as a person or as a, an existence or whatever so but uh the way i think the most concrete way i can link the day and night of of the two jobs let's say is that with uh, psychology emotions expectation su surprise and uh, some how to keep things interesting because uh, this is at least the, the part that i am conscious that i'm using but uh, it's interesting if it is a little bit unknown if it's too unknown it becomes scary so it can, shouldn't be too scary but a little bit is a bait. Things like that. I, I admit that I'm using. And uh, this emotion, uh, how emotions relate to each other. So, for example, you see also in horror films, and it's often the music that has the main effect in doing that, that you, before the worst scene, the best images appear <laughs> so you get this like uh, you know it's a horror movie and suddenly they show you this beautiful landscape and somebody pretty taking a shower and you know that okay if it gets so nice <laughs> the hammer is coming. <laughs> so uh, this kind of things i'm at least i'm trying i'm not sure if i manage but i try to use this a little bit like psychology knowledge in the narrative of of the sound work to say like you cannot keep blasting some people do it and some people enjoy it but you cannot keep blasting uh, disharmony forever <laughs> like you have to go into harmony go out of harmony go loud go soft like go low go high like play keep it interesting yeah it's like if you think of a dinner uh, if you eat one thing you can only eat so much if you have variety, you, you can eat a little bit of that, a little bit. like it's much more interesting and more, more enjoyable. Mm. Yeah. You're like trying to encourage people to gorge themselves without realizing it. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> yeah, or like, like why, why, why would they, why would anyone continue to listen if yeah. otherwise? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's also a little bit of, uh, yeah, maybe it's a hint of, uh, hmm, pop aim, <laughs> <laughs> aiming to please. <laughs> Could I try, but maybe that's that's something that oh, I was super uh, that you've you you obviously have learned all the tricks of how to I don't know to make thinking about consumer goods right that's your day job essentially thinking about how to make people buy things and yet you're yeah you are in this yeah your evening job you speak. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> I think it's it's almost like this Batman persona, right? Of like the the at night you're like, oh, this is awesome. This is a cassette that's wrapped in barbed wire. Yeah. And I think I think I don't know. There's something just really fascinating about that. How your this your mind during the day is like, okay, how can people eat all this you know stuff that's good for them? And then it's night. It's like this 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 music that is very much that can be like really intense and pummeling and you know like really really intense and anti-consumerist uh, in a way and i think that's really fascinating that you Im- inhabit both worlds or something like that yeah because i think i think it's actually not that as far as it sounds from each other because it's not um i mean if i would work for a company that's trying to sell stuff yes. then it would be fully the, the opposite extreme but i mean it's like uh uh, how, can, uh, how can I say it's like objective research? The goal is like to understand how people judge things, yeah. and it's a link to like uh, environment. Like how can we make people throw away less food, for example? Like what makes? So it's more on that level. So that makes me sleep okay at night. That <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, you know working for uh, Coca Cola and trying to sell cap- cap- capitalist shit juice, <laughs> but. Uh, at the same time, I think, I mean, it's this, uh, a cassette wrapped in barbed wire. It's like saying, like, why would people not eat uh, salad? Maybe because it's not wrapped in barbed wire. It's too clean. Yeah. It's too nice. Everybody says, do this. It's the best. Like, do do this. Do this. It's the best. It's it's good for you. It's good for you. But I mean, what's what's interesting about good for you? It's uh, what's interesting about nice. I mean, you know what I mean. It's, it's not it, nice is something, and it's very important. I, I hope everybody was nice. But it's not that part that makes a person or a, a music or art piece or a food interesting. It's more the uh, a little bit of challenge or like a little bit of uh, what makes it special or. I mean, why do we eat so much pizza in Norway? Because you're not supposed to. (laughs) So there's something there that uh, I I think that, uh, I mean, humans are uh, attracted to uh, breaking rules, to uh, attracted to, uh, I I have the impression, like attracted to secrets, to things that, things that are unclear, things that are unknown, the darkness and, and I mean, I'm, I'm not making the stuff I'm making because people are attracted to darkness. It's because that's what I, what I need to get out of myself. <laughs> it's like if if it's out, it's a bit less in me. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I think it's maybe the the problem with uh, eating 
healthy food is that the food is healthy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I have I have two examples because I remember so like I uh, uh, Ruth Ruth was I suppose vegan or maybe still is I don't know, but um we in Glasgow and this is a very Glasgow thing. Uh, uh, you took me to a place Glaswegian. in Glasgow called the Flying Duck, and it's a very Glaswegian thing because it was like a vegan restaurant, but it's basically. Normally, my associations with vegan food is it's like you know it's like yoga and wellness, and everything is just a little bit boring. Most Av- avocado yeah. that's been yeah. fl- fl- flying yeah. over the yeah. ocean. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's my assumption. And when you go to this place in in Glasgow, it's like this dingy basement. It's like there's a bit less light than in here. You know, it's like clearly everything's <laughs> really greasy and unhealthy. You know, it was just uh, there's graffiti on the Be walls, fair, like- the toilets. I don't think it's a punk bar, but it is like a. Yeah, it's I also a music I, venue yeah. as well. So I think there's something, yeah, there's something very Glaswegian about that. That it's both somehow vegan and, uh, uh, you know, like that that joke. Uh, the joke. There's a Scottish comedian. Is this joke about Glasgow being the? It's both the. It was voted like the world's nicest city, and it's also the murder capital of Europe. <laughs> so he has a joke. He has a joke about how if you get stabbed in Glasgow, it's okay because at least they'll they'll call you an ambulance once they stab you and say it's okay. You know, it's very funny. But it's very, yeah, it's very Glasgow. They're good at so, fixing stabbing. That, yeah, and I think that <laughs> it kind of makes it appealing, right? That <laughs> idea of vegan food because it suddenly gives it a little bit more. I don't know. It takes away certain connotations or certain. Like you can go there and it, you're, you can you can just go there and it's not like a thing. It's it, it, it you're like oh you're you're that kind of person. I mean that no, I mean it was very identity based that place as well. But I mean that's been a really deliberate attempt uh, in the vegan world over the last like five six have toilets seven with graffiti years. And, yeah, but veganism has been part yeah. of uh, subculture mm. f- for in different subcultures as well. True. And I think veganism is not the problem because it, uh, veganism is so restricted that it becomes interesting again. You really need to know how to prepare it, otherwise it's, it doesn't taste well. So I think it's more like the the average recommended food stuff that's the boring stuff. It's just, you think, okay, if I do that, it's like removing the joy of life. Yeah. And that's the problem, I think. Instead of saying... Uh, how can you make this fun? It's it's more like yeah, we'll do this because you have to. <laughs> yeah, true. But is it not also because like carrots don't have their own marketing team? Exactly. Whereas, yeah, yeah, exactly. Even <laughs> though they look does. great, I think carrots are pretty. <laughs> yeah, I mean they uh, look at the fruit. They they don't even they don't even need the package. It's just there. They have their own package. It's uh, it's out uh, the peel. It's, it's ready and you just grab and eat it you don't even have to prepare anything <laughs> but uh but you're told that you should do it yeah <laughs> yeah you're right maybe we need to just be like much more dangerous about vegetables hmm yeah like eat apple with seeds and <laughs> <laughs> go wild <laughs> take the little sign out yeah. <laughs> like don't wash them yeah. I think yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that w- throughout this podcast series, we're we're interviewing a lot of people who are from, or maybe they're artists, but they also have a, a day job, or they're or they're from 
uh, like a background and then they transitioned into art or something like that and there's something about there's something that i think appeals to us to speaking speaking to people who have like one foot in the real world quote unquote um uh very much because that's also us i think as well uh like we have our our day jobs and stuff and i think it's it's really fascinating what people take with them from their day job or how those two how those two things interact and a lot of the best artists like i know are, are people who you know do some you know you know maybe it's a crappy job maybe it's a good job but they work on their art in their their sort of spare time so it's in a way kind of more liberating and and, and freeing in a way in the sense that there's there's a there is that uh, uh, like maybe lack of co commercial pressure, but also that willingness to sort of experiment and, and maybe push push boundaries as well. And it's always very interesting hearing what people take from their day job into their yeah. yeah. This lack of commercial pressure, I think, it's very liberating. Even though I mean, I would have loved to just be here eight hours a day, and that's it. But I think. There's something there about hunger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean literal hunger, but I mean, if you miss something, you, you have this, uh, uh, what do you say? The atoms were excited. You get this exci excitement that's like, you can, you cannot, it's not enough. Like, uh, if I, when I come here, I'm not full from the day before. And when I leave the studio, I'm not, satisfied fully yeah. like it feels great of course but i mean it's it's not i'm not emptying the yeah. uh i'm not yeah so there is a hunger a continuous hunger and i think uh that's one thing the other thing is also that like um what can happen i noticed it in the research world and i noticed it in the art world that it can easily become a circle jerk I'm not sure how restricted we're with language, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the one that's really going to push, push us over. <laughs> we're going to have to bleep. <laughs> yeah. no, but, but yeah. okay, because I'm holding back <laughs> up to now. But, but yeah. uh, it's a kind of a circle jerk that like, uh, if you have, if you live in only one bubble, you can very quickly believe that this is it. Uh, you, you don't, uh, you're not critical or you're not shaking the edges to expand mm -hmm. or break the bubble. And uh, you can have it in uh, research, you can have it in art, that somehow like playing safe is one thing, or like uh, preaching to the converted. Like, so then you, you're, it can quite easily happen, even though it's not a true global success. It is a kind of micro success effect that somehow like, okay, but you know, these five people that I know and they're paying attention, maybe if i do this maybe they like it mm. yeah well if you if you do it because you have to do it because it's like wow like i'm angry from the day job <laughs> then it's like fuck these five people like i'm doing it for me and uh it sounds good feels good it's ready mm. and these five people might not like it mm. but that i think um i think it's quite uh important to so also, if it's not only about jobs, but it's also about like challenging. I think yourself, like uh, can I say, like uh, uh, traveling or or doing things you don't like <laughs> in general, or, like act actively doing things you don't like. Is I think it's very good actually, like going out in the rain. Or, yeah. hmm. 
cleaning snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You chose the right <laughs> so place. Yeah. yeah. No, but I do think it's really important, or like the mental stimulation. I think you also talked about like when we started earlier today, talking about the sort of using these two different parts of your brain, like the creative part and the, I, don't know, I guess, like analytical or, yeah, systematic. Um, and I, I think it's really important. Like I actually now only work in, not on my own art necessarily, but only in the arts. And I, part of me doesn't really miss working as a cleaner, but other parts I really do because it, it wasn't necessarily using my analytical brain, but it was just using a very different way of existing. Yeah. 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 And you have a structure you need to follow. Yeah. yeah. Just like a completely different, uh, sort of stimulus. And, and again, like it talks to that sort of idea of hunger. Like at the end of the day, I was really like excited to go and make things. And it also gave you, you like a little bit of freedom or yeah, a different, yeah, just like a completely different, uh, brain mode, which I think is really important. And I think, can get lost a little when you're actually just in it the entire time your brain is not being stretched because you're never having to think yeah in different terms and i think another way especially in norway that there is a possibility for funding yeah. i think that's something that people don't like to do that might actually be a very good thing to do is like writing these applications and mm -hmm. all the stuff that's like boring bureaucracy mm -hmm. but that might be actually a very good uh, like in, in sound work, we say, like, I need to uh, let my ears, uh, rinse my ears, like, so listen to nothing. <laughs> and I think in, if you take that into, like, all arts, like writing a boring proposal, it has a creative part, which is, like, what is your idea? Mm. But it also has all this boring uh, feeling, these lists and whatever. And that could be enough i mean if you write enough proposals <laughs> but uh i don't know I, I i just think that like uh, uh if if you I, I remember now i don't remember who it was but i remember like uh, interviews with musicians and if you ask them like what is your uh inspiration or your influences mm. some say like it's this band that band that musician that musician and then you have others that say like uh it's my neighborhood, it's my dog, it's like my, I once took a trip there and it was horrible. Yeah. Or it was great mm -hmm. in a horrible way. Like, I think it's also about like keeping uh, our eyes open mm -hmm. and uh, let letting things come in instead of like, because you can very easily get uh, hooked into thought <laughs> and forget that there is a world that's happening like, and it's out of control and that's nice <laughs> <laughs> it's like all kinds of ideas come out of that it's like a taxi driver honking because you d didn't wait long enough <laughs> um i was going to ask you a very specific question now as we're i'm just aware that we're so you know to keep it within you know keep it within you know try to keep it within we took a break you know give ourselves plenty of material to cut down but Thinking about if there's ever, or if you have an example of an artwork or a, something you've been working on, like an art, like a sound piece or whatever, something that you would say failed. And I know you spoke earlier about good and bad failures, and it could even be a good failure or a bad failure. Can you? Does anything come to mind about a time 
or a project that's failed that you've done, or if that's too difficult, maybe something you've seen or listened to where you went, okay, I think that was a failure. I really have to think because I never fail. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm trying to yeah, pick. I'm I, trying I to pick. The, <laughs> I, because a, I knew, because I knew, <laughs> because I knew, uh, David, that you don't fail. Um, I put, uh, I put, <laughs> I had to put that at the end of the question. Maybe you could talk about somebody else's failure. No, no, it's uh-huh. just a big landscape to pick from. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I have, an in- I think, it, at least to me, it's an interesting experience that. Um, I was, I, I have these parallel projects like this. Theta is the main thing, but like I have this, um, Chiare, that means star in Norwegian. That is a project where I let out my most catatonic moods and it's like half an hour long drones, like low frequency, shake the room sound. I really like it. And when I make it, I almost fall asleep. So it's, it's really good. <laughs> but, the first time I performed under this project, and that was at uh, Courant, I, I think I actually failed completely because my plan was to play half an hour or a bit longer and have this like, it sounds like nothing is changing. It's this like, this, and because the effect of that is that the more you listen to it, the more you start noticing details and you f- you get drugged into the, uh, the darkness. But I'm not sure if it is because it was the first time I was doing this specifically or because I thought like, but I cannot do just that. Like, that I started uh, adding things and making it more interesting. And I remember finishing the performance and thinking that was that was not, like that was not what I wanted to do. Maybe it was better for those that attended. <laughs> but for me, I thought like, no, that, that's the, I didn't stick to my, um, I mean, I never stick to a plan because I have a 50% plan and the rest is just whatever happens. I take it on the spot, but I didn't stick to the project. Like the project is supposed to be like no lights, uh, tar oil to, to make the room smell like tar. And low frequencies, loud, and get this, just, it just, it puts you down in a good way. And, uh, I, I, I think it's insecurity. I got insecure that this is, was too boring. I should make a change. And I think that's a, at least, yeah, that's a very concrete example that I think, yeah, I'm not happy about it afterwards. Mm. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if people say it was no, so nice, or whatever. Like, mm. For me, it was like no. The, the failure, was, the failure was not believing in the concept, or not. The failure was not following through. Following through. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I blame, got scared. I don't blame myself. I blame my adrenaline. Crept <laughs> <laughs> in and said, "You cannot just do this. You have to like touch things more. Like do more." <laughs> But that was also maybe because of an audience reaction. Like there were some people in the audience there that you thought, okay, these people are not like, it was a very kind of, I don't know, like a, a musician response or something like that. You see somebody not enjoying it. And you're like, well, 
I suppose I, it's more rhythm. <laughs> yeah, I got to take this part of the room with me, like a stand-up comic, where you're like, there's, you know, there's a few people over here that are really, uh, you know, I've got to make sure everybody in the room is. I wish I could use that excuse, but it was uh, behind curtains, so I could not see. They could not see. It was purely my failure. Maybe that's it, because you couldn't see. You were really frightened, but if, but. Yeah. Because usually when I see people, they they sit and close their eyes, and I think, is this a good sign? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not that people are like stage diving, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, that I think that that is. Uh, but I took it uh, with me as a lesson and made me more aware. So the next time I thought, um. I put rules, even more rules than, uh, and thought like, okay, I cannot cross that frequency level. This this should sound low. Yeah. Hmm. Nothing more than five hundred hertz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I'm not sure if it's five hundred, but that kind of rule. And then, like, if I get, uh, you know, the performance adrenaline, whatever you do, then at least it doesn't get jumpy. Because the whole idea is that this works if it's constant. Mm. There are changes, but uh, you don't get surprised. Like it should be like a tar tsunami. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I, I saw Death Prod uh, perform in the church, and uh, it must have been part of Insomnia. Yeah, and uh, amazing. You his, know, his, his his thing is like just a lot of low frequency, right? But I fucking hated it because it's. Because you know you just get this absolute like punch through the gut of the, yeah, the extremely this, loud, yeah. you know, and then it's like tw- then it's fifteen seconds of then it's fifteen seconds of near enough silence, <laughs> and then there's another, brrr, yeah. you know, oh, and I think yeah, I loved it, but I suppose it would well, yeah, but it would it would work. I think what you're saying, this idea of like this constant ro- ro- rumbling yeah. like this, it, because it, it doesn't have that very surprising boom, but yeah. you know. Yeah, and jump th- scares, th- yeah. And I think it's also like depends on the decisions you make. Like, uh, I really like uh, what Death Prod is doing. I mean, it's um, amazing whatever he's been doing, but especially this concert, I thought it was brilliant because it was brutal, completely brutal, physically brutal. And that's nice to get in a church. <laughs> 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 I mean, finally, something good coming out of that yeah, church. Yeah, but, yeah. but, uh, um, my goal was n- is not to do that with this side project, but it's actually to keep it a little bit calm, so that it's like this uh, sweet darkness. <laughs> so it's a bit like welcoming. It's like you don't have to get out of bed. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I think of it as a, a, a like a, a um, glorifying a catatonic situation, which is. Uh, I, th- I think it's also socially quite important to 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 be familiar with uh, situations that I mean some experience voluntarily, some experience non-voluntarily. And I think it's important to uh, if art uh, confronts you with things that uh, you otherwise would avoid because you either experience it yourself or because you have no idea how this is. And I mean, aesthetics is one thing, but why not uh, glorify bad things as well, right? It's uh, removing taboos. <laughs> um, 
I, I mean, my roundup questions, I suppose, were just more about Tromso and your relationship to Tromso. Maybe you have other questions. Because I know you moved here because of, you know, your job or whatever. I'd be interested to see how much Tromso has affected your production and your your approach to things, whether that be life, music, whatever, and how that and how important do you think the place is to what you're doing? I think I mean, I uh, I came to Tromso 15 years ago, and that was a three-year plan. So I thought, like, take a breath and do this, and then go. Because when you see when Tromso is on the map, the European map, it's like where you put the pin to keep the map on. It's like that's a very good joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on the edges. Yeah. But I think. Um, I think Tromsø is a combination of like this uh, wild beauty, not the city, the the region. Wild beauty is like really uh, blow rock. Yeah, no, there's not much beauty in blow rock. No, even but <laughs> just wild. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was thinking the nature stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, but at the same time, the city has uh, enough stuff happening that's like fun. Like you can always do something if you want to go out and I mean especially if you uh, I'm I'm brought up in a small town so it's not like I'm I miss London so I think it has to do also with how how important you think you are and how important you think a big city life is and I think uh, Tromsø covers like the most like important things for uh, like having fun nature looks extreme and I actually I think it's I mean, the dark season is uh, maybe my favorite time of the year. <laughs> I didn't expect this, but it, it is because it's the prettiest. And it's also like everything slows down a little bit. So it's a joy to to come to this basement and just do stuff. But I think it's what also, what's also important in, uh, in, in Troms is the people and the culture. It's not a Norwegian culture, but the northern Norwegian Tromsø culture that there is uh, a friendliness that's genuine. But until you get there, there is a respect for privacy that's even more genuine. <laughs> so, and uh, I mean, uh, I like so being social, but I also like to be left alone when I want to be left alone. And this works pretty well here. That like if you, if you don't want to be bothered, you're not bothered <laughs> by. So it's not like a hyper. It's not a culture that people are like dragging you out of your uh, cave, let's say. And that I think is quite important, especially if if you like to be in your cave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you choose to go out, it's like super friendly people. Things are happening. So I think it's this. Um, uh, I realize it sounds very selfish, but uh, it's good to be selfish as well. Yeah. But yeah, and it's. I, I think also. I mean, if if atmospheric sound is the goal, then I think Tromsø has a lot to offer because. I mean, 
look around you, like wherever you look, something is strange if you're not from here. Maybe if you're born here, nothing is strange. <laughs> Yeah, everything is kind of weird here, isn't it? It is quite weird. Like uh, when you're in the city and you look out and you have the big mountain. Like that's just weird. Like when you, yeah, yeah. well, you're just aware, you're aware of how close you are to nature here, right? And I think you're aware of, you're aware of the non-human world in a very... In a very, very strong way because, you know, it's, you see the Aurora Borealis every few nights and you, you know, you see this extreme, this extreme snow and it's so dependent on your day is so dependent on the weather. Uh, literally, uh, you know, whether you have to spend 15 minutes in the morning shoveling or, you know, all that sort of stuff, defrosting your car in the winter and then in the summer of course it's you know you're like okay i have to change the car you know it's 24 hour sunshine blah 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 so yeah you're right it's everything is very very strange here but yeah if you're a north norwegian then it's yeah this is just what life is i, th I think it's also the uh, art world including the music world as traditionally and i think also now it's uh uh, it's not uh, con conforming to what is popular as much as other places. Because I think in uh, bigger cities you can easily get stuck in uh, some culture, whatever, you know, popularity. Mm. And here I think it's uh, one person of its type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that um, is very liberating because it's like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Like, mm. oh, you're doing this, like you're doing that, and you're doing that. And traditionally, I think it's it, uh, the art and music. Why do I separate them? What like creative things coming out of Tromsø has been uh, new, in a way, like uh, refreshing, because people don't give a fuck. They just work alone and like the informed about the world, but like. What they make is uh, liberated from this big city uh, popularity, subculture popularity trap. Yeah, that's that's quite nice. Yeah. No, I think there is something really lovely to how I think the scale of Tromsø means that people can't silo themselves off. So you have to have that sort of dynamic mix. Um, but I also think, yeah, like to speak of the, the darkness, it does offer... Um, like that sort of blanket of privacy, just in terms of just like everything being so dark all the time that you're just not uh, engaging visually in the same way with the world. And uh, you're not, in, I don't think you're in your body so much or your body slows down so much and you're not so in your eyes that uh, it's just like a very different way of interacting with the world, I think, mm -hmm. being that. Yeah, yeah, it's like catatonic state. And, <laughs> and maybe, and maybe the, the reason I asked about that is because it feels, especially the drum music you make, it feels very much like, like there is, there is something about a correlation between soundscape and landscape as well. And it feels almost that it, it inhabits the 24 hour darkness of Tromso rather than the 24 hour sunshine of tromso i don't know when i don't know if mm. i don't know oh, thank you when when i when i well <laughs> yeah when i when i listen to it it feels very much like it belongs in the mm. the winter 
if that makes sense like it yep. feels like your music is seasonal or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't is, know if that's deliberate not, or uh, yeah totally yeah. totally because i have uh i mean a completely more attraction for the dark than for the light not when it comes to like uh hanging out with people and having a beer in the sun of course that's that's the best <laughs> but like when it comes to expression i, I have like an absolute uh, like 99 percent attraction to the dark side and that's the tromso's winter <laughs> helps that mm. in a way or maybe amplifies that because it takes down also i mean like you said like your body like it just fits but um and i think it carries uh, but it's almost but it's not a i think of the winter here and the darkness that comes out in my sound i think of them not as uh rough or like you know dark in a bad way but but more like uh when you look up in the sky <laughs> it's like it's a huge dark unknown maybe dangerous i don't know but like it's but it's beyond um relevance and that's very often what i'm trying to express that like it's not about us like we're just a, a pointless thing in this huge structure if you if we call it a structure so like that that perspective and i think tromso helps with that because you realize that like the winter can be rough but nobody cares that it's rough for you <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 how it is like yeah. it is nature it's a huge universe out there mm. and who do you think you are like, yeah. <laughs> that's a lovely note to end on actually <laughs> who do you think you are <laughs> yeah uh th thank you Themis. uh thank you uh that uh, this has been a lovely conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank it's you. very cozy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this uh, Ashdown little bastard? Yeah. This podcast, podcast was, was brought, brought to you by, by us. Failure, understanding, care, and kunst. This podcast was funded by Kulturrada, the Norwegian Arts Council. We'd like to say thank you to Thermes for the lovely conversation and also to Nicholas Horner and the Tromsø Art Academy for the use of their facilities to edit this podcast. The music in this episode was brought to you by Background Music for House Parties, sampling music that was played in this episode by Theta. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Failure, Understanding, Care and Kunst podcast. Tune well, in next week to find out if the villain is caught, whether Scooby-Doo and his friends escape the ghost, whether James remembers what he's supposed to say in the outro. <laughs> whether either of us learned how to read. I don't know how to read.